generally let you, if you will, fire just away. fire away. We usually see us with the three of us up here. Uh, Will is here for all the right reasons, but purposely. Uh, one of the real stories here is just how much we depended on the board this year in our decisions. And we felt it was going so good that we decided that uh, uh, near the end, I don't care what it almost read, we got into it now. We had a lot of decisions to make, but uh, of course, obviously, if uh, that is the case, and it is the case, the guy that uh, is the man behind the board and the man behind putting everything, the information together over a period of 12 months a year, 12 hours a day as well. So I uh, want to be sure and have him available for any questions that you might have here today. Just to, not that, that today is any different than other, any other day, but still uh, we need you to be up here for this to be appropriate. Okay, fire away. Yeah. Um, Mike, you just kick it off. I know Jerry... Jerry, yesterday, last night I was talking about how with all these defensive picks, a, a message wasn't being sent. But as a coach, you love competition. You had eight new defensive players. You signed five in free agency. What what message, what do you see in the competition and the intensity of competition on that side of the ball with what you've done here? Well, the thing about it is, you know, not only do we create competition, we create it at every level, you know, pretty much almost every position. But, you know, and the other part of that, too, is is our special teams took a big jump. I mean, if you, you look at the specialist, um, you know, that, that we signed, also, you know, the fact that you're adding this many new defensive players. So I, I think it's uh, exactly what we're looking for. We have, a, we have changes on our staff, you know, ch changes, and we needed it, you know, and, and this is all part of that change. Will, what was the process like to get to know what the new defensive philosophy would fit to the players compared to what you had to deal with last year with the change? Was there a big difference in body types or position specific? Yeah, I think we came in looking for uh, to make us a bigger, longer, stronger, faster defense um, and, and a team. And so when we looked at the process and looked at all the prospects, we're looking at how they play the techniques and all those things and seeing how they tie in to what the coaches wanted and what we were looking for positionally and how we wanted to do things. So that was a big part of it, but spending time with the coaches. Part of our process, the best part of it is it being inclusive, not only just the scouts, but ownership, the coaches. We all get in there and do this together and figure out what we want to do. So I think that was the best part of it and, and the unique part of it of what we do is how we get together and we collaborate on it all. Did you have to adjust after Dan was hired? I mean, did it kind of take a course correction after he came in? At the end of the day, we're looking for good football players. So, you know, we're just deciding which good, fall, good, good football players we want on our roster. Well, you guys signed three defensive linemen in unrestricted for agency, and you drafted three defensive linemen in these past three days. All six of them have 34-inch arms or more. Why is that length? so relevant at that position? Well, football is a game of angles and leverage. If I got more length and I can play lower and stronger and longer, I have an opportunity and I have an advantage. Gary and Stephen, can y'all address uh, Ball and, and, and his situation in Florida State and how much y'all researched that and investigated that? Who's that? Ball. Ball. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we went in in-depth. And, uh, you know, these are young men, and not everybody's perfect. And one of the biggest criteria we look at when we look at a young man is how he responds to adversity and, uh, you know, how he moves forward. And, 
you know, we 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 felt comfortable uh, with him, and uh, you know, felt like he was gonna do a great job for us going forward. What did you need to hear from him that this was something that would not happen again? I just think, uh, you know, having a long visit with him. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you look at it, you see see how it works, you, you see what happened, and uh, certainly, as we all know, when you're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, uh, you know, these guys can be uh, immature when they're when they're you know, learning the ropes, if you will. And uh, we just felt comfortable that this guy's maturing and uh, he's going to do a great job for us. How hard was it to, to get to know him considering the restrictions you're under with COVID and the Zoom calls? Did you actually see him face to face or was that like a Zoom call? No, it was a Zoom call, and our scouts had a lot of uh, not only communication with him, but communication with his teammates, communication uh, with his coaching staff, with the support staff, and really felt like uh, he was a guy who was a team player who understood, and uh, you know, he he understood that uh, you make mistakes and you have to you have to learn from those mistakes and you have to. You know, say, hey, this this ain't gonna happen again, and uh, you know we all understand that, and we've got to get comfortable that uh, that's gonna be the case. Jerry, what do you say to your fans who, you know, on social media, you guys are getting lit up here for taking Josh Paul about the 11 incidents that he had over at Florida State? What do you say to your fans? Okay, I've got a lot to say. Uh, to our fans. First of all, uh, uh, we're excited about this team we're putting together here for our fans, and we hopefully we're going to get to play it in front of all of our fans play the, this game. But the types of issues uh, that that we're talking about that uh, Stephen alluded to that uh, uh, young men in this case uh, uh, can find themselves a part of, that has never changed since I've owned the Cowboys as to how we handle this. Because if you think about it, it has never changed. I want to be real clear. Never changed with any coach here. The end of the things that we would have to look into are so unique to the individuals that are involved. And so then you got to go over and get the individuals that are involved, and you've got to look at their scouting background or whatever. The, I'm talking about Boy Scout or whatever, to use an illustration. So it's so the decision of whether or not we want him to be a part of the future of the team and whether or not that conduct can be altered or changed has everything to do with how we evaluate the person. So any time that I've ever been criticized uh, over the last 30-something years, any time I've ever been criticized or would look at a situation, it's exactly the same way I looked at it then. I believe in second chances. I believe in uh, uh, people take and learning from their mistakes. And in a way, that's what a part of the game is about. You get knocked down, you get back up. You embarrass yourself because you didn't know what you were doing. You next time you get out and you know what you're doing, or you, or you make the play. And so uh, uh, that that held very true here with Ball or anybody else that we've drafted today. And that uh, candidly is certainly not without everybody's involvement and sensitive to everybody involved.
But at the end of the day, uh, if that individual has uh, a real good opportunity or some other redeeming things that he's done in his life, and there may be a bunch of them there, uh, then I offset. I always have. And so in this particular case, uh, I'm very comfortable with his uh, background and with what he can be as a, a representative of the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry, this draft started with speculation of you really liking Kyle Pitts, and of course fans perceive you as being kind of an offense first owner and GM. Now that it's over with it so heavily tilted, don't sort toward defense, how do you kind of look at the draft as a whole? Oh, I, I think um, uh, uh, we uh, we did want to improve our defense. Uh, we feel good about parts of our offense. Uh, we didn't want to not do the right thing when we were picking as where the best players were. And so all of that was alive and well. But as it turns out, uh, uh, we felt uh, uh, it, it did happen for us. I think the better way to, to make my answer here is the fact that these were all defensive players didn't bother me. I didn't feel compelled to have to throw some offensive players in there to keep people thinking I was biased toward defense. And I, for a combination of what we've got on defense, uh, where we are and how we think we're going to move the ball, and, and the knowledge that we've got to have the right field position and we've got to uh, uh, be able to uh, keep that offense off the field some. And that's coach you wearing your ear out while you're sitting there uh, in the draft room there uh, by the minute. And uh, this offensive guy sure got horse talking defense today, I mean, this past three days. Will, uh, what did you like about Jabril Cox and Reed's prize at all? You guys are able to get him in the fourth round. Yeah, the, 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 the game now, as I learned from the coaches and we talk and we watch, it's a space game. And so you need players that are able to make plays in space. The, the prevalence of tight ends and slot game and the different things you got to do. Players that can accomplish that or guys that can play in space, that can run, that have length, they were, they were attractive to us. And he, he stuck out, you know, he, he stood out to us because of his abilities, what he showed at North Dakota State and, you know, at LSU. Well, you talk every year about leaning on your area scouts and treating them as, as the GM of their area. What was the challenge of that this year with, I assume, they have less access and less idea of, of what they're working with and, and how you kind of get your hands around that whole thing? It was a huge challenge because like everybody else's life with the pandemic going on, the way we did things changed. You weren't able to go to schools and talk to people face-to-face -face and do all those things. But the area scouts were very important, number one, because they've been in those areas for an extended amount of time. So they have these resources, they have the people that they go to, that, that you lean on for the information on players. They have the historical uh, perspective of the player. They can tell you who they were when they were freshmen and going forward and how they've progressed. Um, and then the commitment to jump into it because we couldn't go to schools, we couldn't go to we couldn't go to practices. All we could do was go to games. So it's watching 18 tape, 19 tape, and 20 tape, and seeing how guys progressed and who they were, and adding that whole context to who the player is. It was just a different way of doing it, and guys bought in and did it the right way, the way we wanted to do it. We not only do we want to scout, which is gathering information, but we want to evaluate. We want to throw all those things together, give them the information, and then we make the decision. The last two picks seems that they have some position flexibility. Talk a little bit about what you'd like to see out of those two guys. 
want to see good football players to help our team win games. And and the more versatility to have, the more flexibility you have in your roster. And and that's the key. You got, you know, the 53 players on the roster at the end of it and 16. And so you're trying to find the best players that can do the most things to help your team be successful. Coach McCarthy always says everybody's got to do two things. And so when you think about that in this game, it's special teams. It's maybe one position or the other. But you look for flexible athletes that can do different things. Stephen and Mike, is it? Do you believe it's possible to remake one side of the ball in an off season? And if so, how far or how deep into that process have you gotten over these last two, three months? I'll start and I'll let Mike finish. Yeah. Um, oh, just okay. <laughs> You can go first. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think you don't make it in one season. Uh, I will say this is a little bit of an aberration, I think, last year. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, we got some really good football players that we started with before free agency, before the draft, uh, as a foundation. So I don't necessarily know that you got to totally remake it in one off season. I think that's a as I said, really good football players uh, as a foundation to start with. And then, you know, you never know what's going to happen in the draft. You know, it's a it's a thought process that we have that you go in and you sign five unrestricted free agents just in case the draft doesn't come your way. And if you'll look at it, you'll see some of those guys, quite a few of those guys are one-year deals. What we did here today, yes, the day before, three days of drafting, is get guys that are going to be here for four or five years. So they're going to complement what we did in free agency. And uh, so I, I don't think you, you fix it overnight. But at the same time, I don't know that we needed uh, to fix it overnight. Yeah, I, I you know I agree with everything Steven said as far as, you know, <laughs> The first part is that the development of your roster, you know, the financial component and how, you know, the, the opportunity to draft 11 players. I mean, that's that's unique and and uh, it was great to be able to just stay the course and, you know, get get, get all 11 of those players drafted because, you know, obviously you have opportunities to, you know, uh, take future picks and things like that. But, you know, as, as far as uh, redoing one side of the ball, uh, you know, talent act was, you know, Acquiring talent is really the first step. It's the beginning. And the competition and pulling it all together, you know, that's that's the fun part. That's that's the development of your football team. And, you know, ever how the numbers shake out when we get to the 53, you know, the most important thing is, is that that group is playing together and, and that talent comes together and, and we'll be a better defense, you know, because of that and we'll be a much better football team where our offense can play to our defense. You know, we, we didn't play very good complimentary football last year. You know, we were we were out of balance uh, even before Dak was injured. So, you know, we got to learn from our, you know, our past experiences and, and, and make sure we're, we're, we're better for it moving forward. Mike, you guys signed Dr. Pope last year and listening to the phone call today, you seem pretty excited about Quentin Bohan. Uh, is, 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 how important is that? that role to you, that spacing defensive Definitely. I think you have to have an anchor. I mean, everybody has a, you know, a philosophy of how many you have on your team. And, you know, Will's already touched on it. This, you know, it's a space game and, and it's a little more wide open. But, you know, you got you to recognize your run defense. You know, it's, it's, you know, when you have a, you know, a defensive line, a four-man front, you know, a, ge a general, um, 
observation is if you, you in normal non-distance you want to have three jets and a plug you, you got you got to have a guy that demands to, he demands two people to block him so ideally so ever how you get that done is that a a big you know a quick three technique or something so you to have that anchor in there is is, is definitely something that that is needed and i think i thought that was a great pick especially at that time steven you didn't get a safety but you got two six four corners and any of those got position flex for safety or they uh, they just dang queen corners like those big long <laughs> Well, I think um, obviously Mukuamu, uh, I think we've got some safety aspirations for him. And uh, give our scouts credit, they had a vision. I mean, this guy's long, he's got great ball skills, and he's a little heavier, of course, than, uh, than Nation. But, uh, you know, I think we've got a vision that's probably where we'll start him. Uh, is over at the safety position and and see what he can do. Uh, I mean, he obviously has a lot of confidence as a corner, if you ask him. But at the same time, I think he's, uh, you know, got the ball skills to play in, uh, play in the post, to cover tight ends, to do the things we need him to do and be physical enough to be a safety. I'd let Mike speak to that as well. well. No, I, that, and one thing I just want to touch on: all all, th all three of the defensive backs were outstanding ball skills, you know, and that was that was a big focus of ours. And you know, and both the the larger corners definitely match up capabilities. You know, their ability to you know not only play different position, but who, who they can match up with. Seems like you got some corners with some confidence. You talked about uh, the kid from South Carolina, but last night, the, uh, right from Oregon State, said that. He was a better Sherman, better, more athletic and more agile than Richard Sherman. And he said, what you guys did bringing up these guys is going to lead you to your sixth Super Bowl title. Uh, I don't know, Jerry, you got any comment on, on the confidence of Wright and, and what he said about being better than Richard Sherman and leading you out to a Super Bowl with well, what you guys uh, did on defense? Yeah, Mukamu, uh, when I had him on the phone, uh, I was saying, you know, what a – great experience it had been for me in the NFL and don't waste it and come in and go do it. And he said, I'm the best, I'm going to be the best corner. He said, I'm going to be the best corner you've got. And so he has uh, confidence, but, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But that's okay. You see, she's where he's thought of. By the way, we can probably figure out something at safety if he is the best corner we got. But uh, if that should happen. But uh, the bottom line is that uh, I was reminded, uh, and uh, uh, we've talked about building a defense. I was reminded when we had the draft, uh, and we drafted Spears, and we had drafted uh, where. We got uh, Canty uh, and we got uh, Ratliff. And then we got a Bennett, a middle linebacker in the back or an inside linebacker in the back. And, uh, boy, if you think that didn't improve defense overnight, that can make a difference. And so uh, now that's inordinate. And uh, don't give me that old I saw. I knew George Washington, and you know George Washington, that type of stuff. But the point is that uh, I am, <clears throat> I, I do think that uh, uh, this draft and with the personnel and the speed, I figured it up. Uh, I think our draft class averaged six, uh, three, and seven eights. Or basketball team. A basketball team. It was that, uh, it's that, uh, uh, that long. And um, uh, obviously, uh, we've got some guys on here that are going to get on the field. 
but they're going to have to compete against some other guys out there that are going to be emboldened. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a young group uh, with some veterans group, veteran group and a lot of uh, promise. And uh, uh, when I look at the numbers of picks, that's what I feel and see. I see a bunch of fresh energy going in with some guys that have got a lot to prove with our veteran players. And we've got quite a few younger players that within the veteran player group. So uh, this is a healthy time for the Dallas Cowboys to inject these numbers of players in my mind if we can, if they can uh, uh, be the players we'd like to hope they'd be. Along those lines, Jennifer, when developing a draft class, now that the class is complete, in your view, how important is the locker room already in place? The locker room that these young players will be joining, there are eight defenders, how important is the defensive side of the locker room to bring these guys along and help show them the way and not lead them astray? I mean, it's it's crucial. I mean, no doubt about it. Every locker room, you know, we, you know, what I tell the football team is it's the most important room in the building. You no, know, there might be some other people that disagree with that, but I, I clearly feel that way, and I've always felt that way because, I mean, that's where it starts, um, and and that's where the, those relationships start, and that's the difference between winning and leading, winning and losing in this league, is the connection of the players and and the, the development of leadership. Every player has a responsibility to, to perform in, in, a, in, in whatever category of leadership that he is comfortable in. He, he is part of the leadership of the football team. So, you know, that's something that we obviously need to work on. I spoke on this the other day. 55 years of NFL experience, you know, has, has left our, our program. So um, the responsibility definitely increases for for the players that are already here. And, and, and the young players will be informed and educated and, and encouraged to, to take their role of, of leadership very seriously. Sean Lee not in this building. He was such a leader by example for his time here. Do you believe, when you look at the defensive leadership that you have in your locker room, do you believe they're up for the task of, of being what you hope them to be? Oh, they have to. I mean, that, that void has to be filled. I mean, it's not going to be probably just by one person. I think Sean Lee has set the standard for leadership in, in my time here. So, I mean, that was very evident last year. I mean, just how strong of a, uh, how strong his leadership was. But but it was every day. It was consistent. I mean, it, it was it was it was real. And you can see just the way people responded to him. I mean, veteran players responded to him. So, you know, that, that's a great example for the players that were here uh, in the past. You know, to learn from and and make it part of their leadership style. Will, what did you like about the receiver? By the way, he also said he'll be the best receiver in the class and if not the league. So he has some confidence to him as well. You know, he's um, he's got some some developmental upside. He's big, he's strong, and he's still still developing and learning as a receiver. And he's gotten better each year that he was there. And I think that just adding that competition to the whole thing. I think competition brings out the best of everybody. You guys are competing to ask questions. You, you know, that's bringing out the best in you. We want to have the best competitive team and roster um, out there. And, and, and I think he's, that's what he brings to us. Well, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to you about uh, Michael Parsons. I was just wondering if you give some of the background of maybe when you first saw him and just kind of what jumped off the tape about him to you. Well, it's hard not to see him when you watch him play to be that strong, that fast, that physical, uh, and that instinctive. And so when they played out here at the whatever game that was, they played out here. It was the Cotton Bowl, I'm sorry. And, and you see him out here and you say, oh, that's something. Because you don't see guys that big, that fast, and that athletic. Um, and then getting to know him, 
and, and his intensity level and his desire to be great. And um, that was the thing that stood out the most when we got to talk to him. You can see what he does on the field, but then when you get to find out more about the young man and what he can bring to you, I think that was the most attractive thing. Mike, is it fair to say that you feel comfortable your backup quarterback is on your roster right now? Uh, I mean, definitely. I mean, they're definitely compete for that. I mean, we're going to have a good competition and, you know, and not just answer the question, <clears throat> you know, the same way every time it's been asked. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll still you still look to upgrade positions. You know, we're just going through all the numbers, you know, before we came down here. So, but we have good competition there. Will, as a uh, personal guy, when you came into this draft, was there one particular player that you said, boy, I'd love to get him if the board fell that way that you got? <laughs> I'd love to get a lot of them if they fit. Uh, I think it was great to, that Micah Parsons was there. And at each round, there were guys that were there for us to choose from and discuss and see how they could fit what we were trying to do and if they could improve us. But th there were, I mean, Micah Parsons being there when the corners left, it was also a very, uh, that was a, a, a big thing. We all looked at each other and said, there's a difference maker. Jabril Cox. Seemed like someone that you guys had much higher on your board than when you were able to take him. Is he someone that, given that you had taken Micah Parsons, uh, had you not taken Parsons, you may have gone and drafted Cox earlier on day two of the draft? Or is that not quite how it works? That's, that, that's not quite how it works. I mean, you take them as they come. We discuss where they should go. We we know the guys that we like. And um, it was great that Cox was there when we picked today. I think what's interesting for me is uh, Cox, uh, as, as well as Wright, I mean, uh, yeah, Wright, uh, and we had seven or six players that when we made the right pick, that we were debating whether to pick that player or to pick that player. <clears throat> And uh, what ended up happening is we ended up getting uh, four of the six that we were talking about at that time. I think that's my numbers are correct. Don't let me exaggerate. But the point is that it really didn't make any difference whether you took the one uh, <laughs> that might have been a little early or the one that actually might have been a little late. You sit there and look at how we got the four players that we wanted at that particular time. If we could have had all the picks, and average that out, and you've uh, uh, got got your value that you're sitting there talking about. But uh, uh, so it was uh, uh, real interesting as to whether or not Joseph, for instance, uh, I, I said right. I mean Joseph. And uh, but no, I'm talking about right. I'm sorry, but right. But it was real interesting. I saw where Willie is a little high. Okay, well, uh, you're going down the road. Cox is a little low. We got it. It averages out uh, when you're sitting there, staying with your board. And again, that's uh, why we wanted to approach this with you guys tonight. Is to say that way. I think that's the story of the draft. Well, kind of to Jerry's point, was there any more unpredictability with this draft that you sense in terms of guys maybe being there you didn't expect just because we talked about the lack of information and the challenges of the evaluation process? 
It's the lack of it was a lack of information. It was everybody's building their own, you know, their own board. Uh, the or the places that you got your information from kind of set the stage. I mean, typically scouts and organizations they're all on the road together. There's kind of a pack mentality here. It's who did the work, how you did the work, and how you valued the players and, and valued the players for your team. Uh, when you put together a board, you put it together for your team, not everybody else's team. And so we we were uh, more concentrated on that because of our approach that we had to take because we weren't out on the road. We spent a lot more time watching tape. We spent a lot more time talking to each other about guys throughout the process. Typically when you're on the road, I don't hear from you but from once a week. When you're in-house, we talk about things every day. So it's avoided a group think in some respects on the road with, with in my opinion, yes. I think there's there's a part of it. It's, you know, when you're traveling a pack and everybody sees it, you know, hey, you guys are, are here all the time. You hear the same things. You might think a little bit alike. But now when you're separate, you formulate your own opinions and, and, and decide for yourself. And that's what we were able to do more was put our inferences on without the outside influences to what may, you know, what you may hear or may not. We decided by what we saw. We didn't let anything outside of that influence us. Fed what Jerry was saying earlier there too when you have more of a group think you can say okay we need to take this guy here because he's less likely to be here six picks later you didn't really have that conversation this time because everyone built their boards differently and you weren't Yes, and we were confident in the guys that we put and the value that we put on players, and that's why you follow the board and you get the players that you like at the value that you can get them at. Uh, you guys uh, certainly spend a lot of time with defense players in the draft. Will you focus on offensive players and undrafted free agency? I see you've uh, maybe added like three or four receivers already, Basher from Tech, or at least plan to add Eagles, the kid from Iowa. I think when you build your roster, you look at what you got in the draft, and then what other holes do you have to fill, and how do you fill them? Uh, so that's why the you know the free agency approach worked that way. But our board wasn't just defensive players; it was offensive and defensive players. And then when it came down time to make a decision, we talked about them all, and then Jerry made the decision: this is a guy that we want to fit for what we're trying to build. Mike, is Ball a left tackle in your eyes, or is he a guy that is a right tackle that could play some left if needed? I feel he has left tackle traits. I mean, that's that's where he'll start. Um, that was clearly that was why he was so attractive uh, to us, particularly at that point. So um, he's going to start left tackle. Hopefully, he can be a swing tackle because, you know, once again, when you get to the 53, it's now the next challenge is how does the player get up on the 48? So um, if the swing tackle is obviously very important in the eight offensive linemen that you keep up on on game day. Of the players you drafted, which you anticipate will be immediate contributors on special teams, the one thoughtful is most pleased to get his hands on when they arrive. I mean, I don't know who wouldn't, frankly. You know, I, I think I think anytime you go through, you know, it'll start in the uh, rookie minicamp. I mean, it'll be the vehicle for for rookies to make it onto the 53. Special teams is a big part of it. Jerry, what are you now? But How much better is this team now than it was at the end of the season? Oh, I, uh, I'm, I think we've, uh, uh, we, as Stephen said two or three days ago, we earned it. We got, we started with a high point in the draft. We were up there pretty high. Uh, now, I think we have maximized to the fairly well and gotten the most out of being that high. 
and being having those numbers of picks, for instance, in the top hundred, uh, where I would be disappointed if we, uh, for instance, didn't take advantage of uh, where we are. Uh, I know that uh, uh, every person sitting at this table was thoroughly involved in the nuances of the information we were looking at and the debate that went on in the information that we were doing and the moving around of where these guys were relative to each other that went on, which went on. And so uh, uh, this has got some art to it, really, when it comes to uh, uh, putting these guys across the board. You've got to have your coaches and where they have thought you are as talent. You've got to have your guys that understand your talent and have been around it for years, and we have that in our pro scouting as well as our college scouting. Uh, you've got to, you literally have to, in my mind, you have to understand what, where you may be financially 36 months from now. Uh, where you may be in a given part of your team 36 months from now. Uh, or what might influence you to change that if you've gone down the wrong road, that you might want to change it. Uh, we're, we're, we are so fortunate. Uh, I've, uh, I don't want to embarrass him, but uh, Stephen enjoys uh, such a unique background. And he really does understand uh, how uh, being in a meeting, uh, talking about uh, uh, Pepsi or Dr. Pepper, how that puts somebody in the end zone for us. But he understands in between there the, how you got to look around corners and you got to look ahead. And he obviously understands the makeup of football players and and uh, what goes on when we uh, take a player that might have a ding uh, character-wise, all that's going on there. So all of those things, and believe it or not, that has had some bearing by what goes up on that board. And so uh, uh, this, uh, uh, when you're sitting in my shoes, uh, you're fortunate to have uh, the kind of people that uh, are helping make these decisions. And at the end of the day, we really only know that God knows. Uh, I've never met anybody that really knows where they ought to be on this chart, that really knows it, where they ought to be. So uh, this group has uh, uh, had, a, had a really good uh, uh, last few days and a big weekend. Stephen, where are you guys with the Van Der Esch decision that needs to be made Monday? We've been uh, so focused on the draft, we'll obviously get our hands around that in short order. Thank you, guys. I'm going to bring Coach Quinn over here just a few <coughs> so you guys can get to meet him and talk to him a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.